Hello everyone, my name is Becca Payne and this is the Audio Appendix Podcast, a podcast put out by Third Church. It's a podcast we like to do when we feel like we begin a conversation on Sunday morning um, in a sermon and that conversation needs to be continued. Uh, So it's been a little while since we've done one of these, so we're really excited to be back and talking about a really important topic today, a topic that I think has bearing on many of our lives, and that is anxiety. Super fun. Um, So for a little background, we're in the middle of a sermon series on the questions of Jesus. Over the course of the Gospels, Jesus asks over 300 questions of people. And what these questions show us is that Jesus is far less interested in delivering information, but engaging our hearts in conversation. So this past Sunday, we looked at the question that Jesus asks in the Sermon on the Mount. Why do you worry? Really, he asks that question question multiple times and states it in multiple ways in that Matthew 6 passage. And I think he does this because we need to hear it over and over and over and over again. Just as Jesus made it clear that we need to hear this over and over again, here we are still talking about it a few days after Sunday because it rings true just as much today as it did in Jesus's day. So if you haven't learned, listened to the um, sermon yet from Sunday, I definitely recommend doing that. Um, it's right in this podcast feed as well, should be the episode before this. Uh, so go listen to that and come back um, or just join us along. Uh, Okay, so today I am joined by Corey Widmer, lead pastor here at 3rd and author of said Sunday morning message. Corey, you want to say hi? (laughs) Hello, friends. (laughs) And Margie Satterfield, a licensed professional counselor with the Center for Christian Counseling and a mission partner of 3rd. Hi, Margie. Hello, everybody. Thanks for being here, guys. Um, Our goal is that we can just begin to scratch the surface of both the spiritual and clinical implications of anxiety and our corporately anxiety-ridden culture. It is everywhere. Mm-hmm. What did you call it? Anxi- it's ambient anxiety? Ambient anxiety. I didn't make up that term. Oh, but, yes. Um, but yeah, that's a phrase that just describes its constant presence. Yes, free-floating. anxiety. Yeah. All around us. So let's get started. We have some questions for Margie. I think Corey and I are in a position of wanting to learn and listen. Um, so yeah. I think we can just kick this off by asking you a little bit about your background, Margie. Um, tell us about your experience of working with people who struggle with anxiety, uh, how often this comes up, and maybe if you've seen any changes or increases over the past decade or so in what yeah. you're seeing yeah. from people. So um, I started uh, counseling oh back in the late 90s. Um, and so it's been about two decades that I've been doing counseling. And when I first started, depression was the big, big thing. But anxiety was coming up on the outside. It was um, really starting to uh, press in. And so we would see a lot more clients with that. Um, and now it, it really surpassed depression as the top issue that we deal with. Even with, you know, like people would come in for marital counseling and anxiety would be at the root mm-hmm. of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that was causing conflict, it really was anxiety was the, the root issue. So um, that has been more than a decade, probably since uh, mid-2000s. Do you have any guesses of what would explain that that increase of anxiety-based struggles? Yeah, and... yeah. Um, life has sped up yeah. a lot 
And uh, if you just think back to the years uh, when we didn't have, well, there's a lot of people don't know what life is like without a cell phone. But before that, um, we actually would initiate things out of our own soul. We would be creative and we would be more outward facing um, in our, the way we approach life. Now, um, it's almost like we're under attack. Uh, we've got information coming, we've got expectations, we've got to have quick turnarounds, fast deadlines, and technology has, it's not the only bugaboo, but that is one that is uh, a hmm. big player here uh, with speeding up our time so much. So now we actually have a defensive stance to the world, and it's almost like we're constantly under attack. Hmm. And so that's going to that's gonna cause us to feel a threat all the time, hmm. which is going to make us more anxious. That's one of the base definitions of anxiety. Mm. Constantly anticipating an attack. Mm. Mm. Wow. And I guess with with the rise of social media and our connectedness, you know, news, all of that, that's not helping either. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) You're seeing what's happening around you all the time. That's right. Um, And news comes, you know, I got an alert on my next door app about a burglary down the street for me. Mm -hmm. And I just think this is, this is constant and we'll immediately go to well that's going to happen to me Mm -hmm. and i got to do something to protect myself Mm -hmm. so that's just that one item Mm -hmm. and then but you're accosted all day long with those Mm -hmm. whether they're international national local Mm -hmm. or even in your neighborhood right yeah yeah and i think we all have different relationships with anxiety um i know Corey and i have different relationships with anxiety my anxiety seems to have really emerged since I've become a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's happened as life has progressed and things, I, I have so much of my identity in things that are, I'm starting to see outside of myself that I feel like I can control. Right. And so with the birth of my daughter and also my mother got sick this past mm-hmm. fall, it seemed like anxiety was lurking around every corner. You never know what could happen. Um, And you love these people so much uh, that it's scary. Mm -hmm. And as someone who has not been a worrier, has not been anxiety ridden, I've seemed to be like, okay, you know what? I can adjust, I can move forward. Um, It's surprised me. Hmm. And I think I'm tempted as it comes out to almost numb myself to that, to like, how, how should someone like myself approach anxiety that is rooted in almost a good place? Like a, I love my daughter, but the thought of something happening to her just brings me to my knees. So how do I not just push those feelings aside, stay open to um, my connection with her even though that makes me feel vulnerable and that vulnerability leads to anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a big, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is a different, which is different, a different kind of anxiety from someone like me who has, you know, I can remember being a very young child and suffering from anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a different sort of situational mm-hmm. anxiety that, and what is the solution? Does it say care for your kid less or yeah. don't love your mom as much? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to say what, yeah. what, what you'd say about that, Mark. Yeah. Um, there's several different ways that clini- clinicians are going to look at this. Um, the anxiety can come into my office as an emotional state. 
So I can see someone that has situational Mm -hmm. anxiety, and um, I like to look at anxiety very much like fear. So sometimes that's real, and sometimes you need to uh, take action for that, and then once you take the action, the anxiety should dissipate and go away. And so for situational anxiety, that would be... Um, the way to handle that. And, you know, there are more things to handle with that, mm-hmm. particularly if you're bombarded in our day and age with multiple, it's almost like the human Bobo doll. I don't know if y'all remember those, but they're weighted at the bottom and you punch them in the face and they go down and they come right back mm-hmm. up and then you punch them again. And that's our existence quite a bit with, you know, it's okay. situations, but they're constantly coming. Mm-hmm. Every time I get I come up from something, I get hit again. So that starts running us into what we call almost like a trait-like anxiety, where we end up having so many emotional states of anxiety back-to-back that it becomes chronic. Hmm. And so when you get this chronic um, anxiety, it becomes like a trait, and it becomes stable. in, In an interesting way, this emotional state of anxiety becomes stable instability. And that is what I would call now that I see most of coming in my office is people who are in a constant chronic state of anxiety because there's no letdown. There's no break. There's no time in between the situations. Mm. So it's almost like you're saying what begins as a situation-based provocation of anxiety Mm -hmm. can actually change a person. So they actually, it becomes less of, of an occasional thing and more of like Part of part of who they are, part right. of even maybe mm-hmm. even changing their. We've we've talked a little bit about mm-hmm. neuroplasticity. Maybe yes. even changing their brain, changing it, mm-hmm. their oh, DNA, changing that they actually carry this with them now all yes. the time. Yes, yes, yeah. and there's no provocation for it. There's no situation. Yeah. There's no mm-hmm. uh, someone breaking into your home right. or or anything. There's nothing happening. It's just now I live in a constant state of dread. Yeah, something's going to happen. That shoe's going to drop someday, somewhere, and there's an illusion of control that I Mm. think I'm creating in my brain by thinking, well, if I think of everything that could possibly go wrong and I try to put some things in place that are going to take care of it, then that's going to give me a sense of control about this because I'll I'll, I'll be ready. But that's that's never going to happen. It is an illusion because we really don't have that control. And um, it, it, it ends up, like you said, Corey, changing your brain. When you have all of this negative, heightened uh, thoughts that are running through your mind, you're actually creating all of these synapses in your brain. It is, it is actually thoughts are matter. And you're creating these synapses in your brain that will actually start carrying more negative neurotransmitters on them. And you actually change the chemistry of your brain too. So then I'll have people coming in the office that will say, I am an anxiety. I am anxious. I am this person. So mm-hmm. th- they actually graduate into this trait-like state mm-hmm. of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So gosh, what do you do? I mean, yes, I'm, I'm like uh, looking do down you... this tunnel of like, oh no, <laughs> that's coming for you, Becca. It's <laughs> uh, my future. No, I mean, <laughs> how, how do you? I mean, do you have to help people retrain their thinking? Then, I mean, what what is what is it? How do you how do you help people who have gotten to that place? 
Or anxiety well, has become chronic. It starts with being aware of what mm-hmm. your thoughts are. And, you know, we're all in varying degrees of awareness of what we think and what we feel. Oftentimes we'll feel anxiety in certain parts of our body, and that can be a tell that I'm starting to get anxious over something or I'm starting to tune up um, into f- being afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, where we start with that is going into, ch- uh, you know, challenging yourself to become more and more aware and then when you become aware of that, then you can become aware of what you're thinking in that moment. Mm-hmm. And when you can become aware of what is it that I'm actually thinking, some of these thoughts, particularly when they're reaching a trait-like state, they're automatic and almost in our subconscious. Mm-hmm. And so we got to actually bring them up to the front stage of our thinking mm-hmm. so that we can begin to battle them. Because we are called by Christ to um, take the thoughts captive. Um, Paul talks about that. Um, and we're, um, Paul even talks about the fact that we're supposed to be renewed um, by transforming our minds. Mm-hmm. And so we're called to actually make sure that we understand what we're thinking and then think the thoughts of Christ. I can tell you, when we, the closer we are to Christ, uh, the less we're going to be anxious because we are helpless. We are powerless. But we know someone who isn't. We know someone who has the power and who is not helpless. He actually created everything. He's in control, and he lives in us. So the more we think about him, oh, there's that scripture in Isaiah that says, he is at perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I memorized that when I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. That's why I got the these in there. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, you King know. James is, is more powerful for self-talk, I think. Is it? Yeah, don't you think? <laughs> the these and thous <laughs> have a little bit more punch. Yeah, well, I agree with that. <laughs> um, but we do need to change our thoughts. And so when we become aware of them, cognitive therapy will take us to replacing those thoughts. Mm. Now, this is where I feel like you can replace that with a nice, happy, Pollyanna-type thought. I don't think that's mm-hmm. going to be as powerful as choosing scripture that will confront a thought. So um, take, for example, you might have a thought that's um, very fearful. Um, I, I tend to have, um, you know, you all were talking about your fear. I tend to have um, mild fear or mild anxiety myself. And so I have, uh, like, pet verses that I will use all the time. Um, Mm. trust in the Lord with all your heart do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight and so if I repeat that in my mind that's going to help me be able to remember wait a minute this isn't just about me and my power in the world this is about Christ and his power in the world Mm -hmm. this is about his plan for my daughter Mm -hmm. this is about his plan for me and so my understanding is nothing passes his muster with me. I mean, he has to approve everything that, has, that happens to his daughter. Mm. So I'm a daughter of the king. We have sons of the king. And so we have to recognize that he's watching out for us. He's looking over us. He's watching everything that's happening. And so that brings up some other questions about understanding his will. But I believe that we ha- are in a position to be able to do that when our minds are on what he is proposing, what he is purposing in our lives. So that's why I think if you're going to replace a thought, um, and I basically call, you remember like uh, when you were on the um, playground and the kids would call you names, 
and you'd cover your ears mm-hmm. and go, la, 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 I can't hear you. That's what you should do with these uh, scriptures, mm-hmm. is when you're, th- you're caught, you, you know, your thoughts get kind of caught on a thought wheel in your brain, mm-hmm. you just keep repeating them over mm-hmm. and over and over in your head. You really need to put in a scripture and make that the central piece. So I might cover my ears, so to speak, and say, trust the Lord, trust the Lord, trust the Lord. Don't trust your own understanding, Margie. Mm -hmm. You know, God is the one that's going to make your path straight. Lean on him. Lean on his understanding, not yours. Mm -hmm. And you change your self-talk over that. And I'll say that repeatedly. It might be five, ten minutes. Then I'll stop and say, is that anxious thought gone? If it isn't, I'll start right back up and defeat it. But what's actually happening is you're growing a synapse in your brain around that thought nexus that fear. And you're actually saying, no, not the fear, not the negative mm-hmm. neurotransmitter, but something positive and powerful and mighty. I think what, what you're saying is so interesting because it's essentially you're saying that behind anxiety is, is it's, it's an emotional response to the body. Mm-hmm. And behind that emotional reaction is a thought, mm-hmm. a thought that is creating uh, the response of the body. Right. And what I hear you saying is that um, behind behind a negative emotion like anxiety is essentially a lie, mm-hmm. something that a, a dysfunctional thought that you're yes. believing that is causing you to react in a certain way. So it might be that I'm in danger or my life is out of control or whatever it might be. And mm-hmm. you're actually encouraging us to identify what that lie is. What is it? What is the dysfunctional thought That's right. that is fueling the anxiety that we're experiencing? Mm-hmm. I think it, it's actually called a you can actually do a um, exercise called a dysfunctional thought record. Right. Is that right? Where, DTR. Mm-hmm. Where you you notice something, you notice a negative emotion that you're experiencing, you identify where it's happening in your body, and then you do the hard work of understanding what is the what is the lie or the, the dysfunctional thought pattern that is behind mm-hmm. this negative emotion, mm-hmm. and then replacing it with the truth mm-hmm. instead. That's that's, right. that's hard work. It's it is really work, hard work, but it's good work, yeah. and it's right work. It's going to lead you to Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the opposite of anxiety, you know, we think about peace, calm, and all that. Mm-hmm. I always think that the opposite of anxiety is trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm Jesus not... says in Matthew 6, faith. He says, mm-hmm. oh, you have a little faith. That's right. Yeah. I've got to be trusting God. That is, uh, we are to be a people of trust in our Father. And so... Learning to live that, is that not part of our existence here mm-hmm. and a meaning of our lives is to learn how to live a life of trust. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's, that to me is the opposite mm-hmm. um, of anxiety. So that's where I have to head when I'm anxious. Now, so a question that I get sometimes is, um, and actually one I, deal, I dealt with for years, that I would try to put that into practice in my life um, and n- nothing I wasn't really making progress. Um, talk to me a little bit about when. When do you when do you discern that someone just needs to work hard at this work of thought replacement, um, and when do you feel like oh this is something more serious needs to be done, or that this person might need medicine, or might need um, a professional therapist, or um, are there we're more than just brains we're also bodies you know mm-hmm. something yeah. so how, how do you discern and when do you know that you might need to help this person in in, in a fuller way how well you... yeah I, I like 
people starting at the lowest level of resolution, you know, mm-hmm. so with your small group or with, you know, a, a trusted family member to kind of share that and see if you can work out some things that will help you move forward uh, and having people pray for you. Um, and, but sometimes it just doesn't really work or maybe you just need to kind of take the next step, which would probably be going to a therapist and just kind of getting someone who's outside of your uh, group that is thinking thoughts outside of that. And mm-hmm. so they'll bring in things that'll come in sideways or ideas that you never really would have thought of. Uh, sometimes groupthink happens in small groups or mm-hmm. in families. And so you get outside of that. And sometimes that will bring some fresh ideas. The therapist will be really um, pretty accurate on determining on as listening to all the things that you've tried and they're not working. That will usually indicate some type of chemical imbalance. Maybe you need support for a few months to a year on medication, and then you can begin to work off mm-hmm. of it and titrate back down. Um, so the therapist will be the one that best tell you that. There are a lot of Christians that don't want to take medication because they feel that, you know, well, this is my mind. You know, I, I don't want to have my personality. But meds are not going to change your personality. Mm-hmm. They're just going to take an edge off or give you the support you need to be mm-hmm. able to conceive of the thought. When I get people in with depression and I will tell them all these wonderful helps, but they, they don't they don't have the flypaper in their brain to catch the thought and let it stick in the brain. Mm. It's The chemical flypaper is just not in there. Mm-hmm. And so we give them medication for two weeks. Then I can, I can say all those things. They go, oh, yeah, that sounds mm. good. And then they go, do it, and it's mm. fine. So it's almost like you're saying the, medis- the medicine is not to fix the person. The medicine is to heal the person's biochemistry enough so that they can actually, actually do the yeah. work. That's yeah. right. That, that it gets will you really begin to, to put the them level, on the path of healing. Yeah, yeah, where you actually can. Exactly. So that yeah. you can actually do the yeah. work that you need to do that you couldn't do before. You couldn't even grasp the concept or believe mm. that it was true mm. that I could get better. And you can. Mm. Um, a lot of people, you know, I, I, I'll challenge people. It's like, you know, if you something's wrong with your heart, you're going to take meds for it. Something's wrong with your kidney, you're going to, it's an organ. Well, Newsflash, brain is an organ. (laughs) And it sometimes has the chemistry go wonky on it. And this is just going to help you for a time to get there. That's Um, so good. I think think there's still, I still encounter a lot of um, resistance among Christians that somehow to succumb to meds is to not trust Jesus enough or not believe well, that God can heal me. Um, I got something to say about that one, too. Well, I hear what that would you lot. say about that? Yeah. <laughs> because um, I will hear all the time, and this exact same argument, and, and my comment is, is like, Adam and Eve are the only ones that had perfect genes. <laughs> until they sinned. <laughs> and once they sinned, that opened Pandora's box. And now it's like copy fading. You put a, 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 an original on the, fi- on the co- uh, copier, and then you take the original off and put the copy on there. And and then that you'd get a copy from that. And what do you see of the print? The print starts to separate, and that's us. Mm-hmm. After generations of sin, handed down from one another. And so we've got this copy fading thing happening in our genetic structure. And so sometimes we come by anxiety, honestly. It's actually something that's handed down. Our genes are twisted, and we can't help it. Our chemistry's off because we're broken. Our body's broken. And so I look at God's blessing to us that he gave us plants to be able to synthesize 
I mean, honey was used, oils were used, okay, they used all kinds of herbs. Okay, he gave us those. Now he's given man the ability to synthesize this in specific dosages to be able to help. I look at medicine and those herbs that started it and then the synthesized medicines as a gift from God. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Praise Jesus for the yeah. scientists. Yes, here's this gift. <laughs> thank you very much, scientists. So here's this handout with a gift, and we slap it away. No, I don't want it. Really? This is God's gift to you to help you get steady, to learn how to be able to get your brain back up on the right props that it needs to be on and lay a good foundation. Sometimes we're so our brains, uh, our structure is so broken that the anxiety is going to take us over unless we have just that bit of uh, support, and that might be for a lifetime. But not everybody. A lot of people can take it for a time, learn the thoughts that they need to think, and then be able to titrate off. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even just to the lowest dose. Sometimes they'll have to stay on. But you know, it, it's a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Why would we not use it? Mm-hmm. He's he's pushing back sin. Mm-hmm. He's pushing back disease, illness, using it. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. Yeah. And so you can more fully trust in His promises for you That's and in right. His good will for you. And with it, you can see them. Yeah. Without it, you won't. Yeah. Wow. So gosh. That's a really good word, you guys. Um, And I think that that is going to touch a lot of people who are listening to this right now. And I think that there's probably a whole other group of people who um, maybe aren't at that place, uh, maybe look more like myself, where, uh, you know, your worries come and go and where it can actually feel productive. Mm -hmm. Um, We can cling to our anxieties like a nice little security blanket. Uh, (laughs) And it doesn't feel like it's really impeding your life. Um, You know, I've had seasons of anxiety where it's really hard to sleep. You know, you're, you're very restless. You can't find peace. Like those are things that you feel the issues that you feel it's detriment. Um, But daily some daily anxiety you know if i if i feel anxious about uh all of the work that i have to do then i feel like well i'm just i this means that i'm going to work hard today um and i'm going to have to be really productive or another example i feel anxiety over gun violence in schools thinking about my daughter going to school and that anxiety i try to f- push into um, advocating for gun reform. You know, that's something that is on my brain. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's like, oh, I'm just using, I'm, tra- I'm transferring it into being good work. And I... <laughs> you're, just, you're justifying I, anxiety justifying as being productive. It. Yeah. Yes. And, and okay. hearing you say uh, that our, you know, reminding me of the Bible verse of our thoughts being captive to Christ, I, this is a convicting conversation. <laughs> Um, so what is, what is the line for me? You know, what is, what is the goal for someone like myself mm-hmm. who can, can kind of use those anxieties as a nice little comfort, um, to, to make me work harder and kind of foster that illusion of control. Mm-hmm. You have pets. I, <laughs> I do, I guess. <laughs> this is my pet anxiety. Yeah. Yes. Um, Yeah, I think um, God tells us not to worry. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest that what you're doing is actually you're treating the anxiety, you're reframing it. Mm -hmm. 
So it's really not the anxiety that's motivating you. Yeah. It's what you've reframed it into. Mm. So, <laughs> so I, I, would, I would challenge you to think about that because, you know, if you're reframing it into action, you're reframing mm-hmm. it into um, uh, the Mothers Against Drunk Driving, you know, yeah. with all of their grief. They yeah. took their grief and mm. some anxiety that it wouldn't happen again. And they created Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Right. Right. So there, there are a lot of things that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would suggest that what, you know, those pet anxieties are really need to go. Mm. You need to actually find out what that reframe is. Search your inside mm-hmm. and say, where am I, where am I, what am I reframing this into? Because it's, if it's motivating, it's really not going to be anxiety. Anxiety gives us fight, flight, or freeze. Mm. They're, yeah. the, they're the three answers that we get to them. So it's really not going to be motivating. It's anxiety, yeah. <clears throat> flight, <clears throat> fright, or freeze. Is that what you said? Fight, flight, or so, freeze. So when we feel anxiety, we either want to fight because we want to take control. Yep. Which will not be productive. We want to <laughs> run away mm-hmm. from the problem as much as possible, or we freeze and panic. That's so right. We don't know what to do. So the alternative. true anxiety is never actually productive. I do think sometimes... Mm. You, you know, there's a difference between, like, for example, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Mm-hmm. So I might be, I might feel a deep conviction about sin um, and know that I need to respond in repentance and action. But that's different from feeling the shame of condemnation, mm-hmm. you know. So maybe you feel passion mm-hmm. about something about, you know, gun mm-hmm. control mm-hmm. is a passion and maybe a conviction that this Holy Spirit has given you, mm-hmm. um, but that's different than, than being driven by your worry to try yeah. to control the situation. Yeah. So it's worth asking, what is going on in my heart? And what, right. is, what is it something that I have to pay attention to because it's mm-hmm. a conviction from the Holy Spirit? Yeah. What is it something that is really driving me because it's a spirit of control, yeah. fighting or fleeing is really driven by this, this sin of, of worry. Discerning mm-hmm. that, that the difference yeah. between anxiety and say is the holy spirit telling me something that seems so difficult to it is parse but out. It, it at the very time where we're wanting to control with this anxiety slash fear we're wanting to control something that's the time we what are we going to control mm. what can we control i can't um i was thinking about um someone that told me about their daughter. This is back in the 80s at 3rd, one of the pastor's wives. Their daughter was sick, had a high fever, and I used to babys- babysit them. Anyway. Oh, do you babysit? <laughs> I, uh, no, then. <laughs> way back when, Corey, way back when. I got a lot of kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she uh, was walking the halls. Her child had this huge fever, ended up losing her hearing. Mm-hmm. Over it. And she knew that was happening as she's walking the halls with a screaming child. Mm-hmm. You talk about out of control, powerless, I don't know what to do with this. I can't affect a change. Oh, God, what can I do? Praying. She still lost her hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she got better. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, this, this is a picture to me of a person that has to start recognizing God's sovereignty, Mm. that I don't have control, but God Mm. does, and he has a plan for this, Mm. and he can use what's happening here. Mm -hmm. And so she had to turn that over, turn that into Mm. that fear, that anxiety, that moment of just a heart-wrenching for her daughter, and turn that into something that brings faith Mm. and honor to God, Mm. and you want to control and you have to submit. I mean that is, is so, so the that is so the opposite of the what we're. I mean, yeah. I can oh. 
I can hard. even. I mean, I don't want to throw my sweet, amazing mother under the bus, but um, <laughs> but uh, when I, I remember as a kid, um, her saying things to me like, um, you know, ninety nine percent of the things that you worry about, because I worried all the time, ninety nine percent of the things you worry about will never happen, and that was kind of the way that she had been taught to handle anxiety is by sort of pretending like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you have to tell yourself that what you're worried about actually um, won't transpire. Now, that may be true for most things, but the problem is, is that there's a lot of things that are real. I mean, this mm-hmm. yep. girl was actually sick. She That's actually right. lost her hearing. That's right. Um, you know, it reminds me of like David in the Psalms says, mm-hmm. even if the mountains crash into the heart of the sea, Still then, I will be confident in the Lord who is mm-hmm. my refuge. It's a very different way of handling mm-hmm. anxiety and fear mm-hmm. rather than say, rather than saying, oh, the worst thing probably won't happen. It's to say, even if the worst does happen, mm-hmm. that's right. still the Lord will be my trust. Still mm-hmm. I will put my faith in him. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of fortitude that can give you an anxiety that is really unstoppable. And, well, I, oh my gosh, it's so hard. <laughs> but I, I often use the image that, you know, uh, fear is, uh, and anxiety is knocking at your door. And what you do normally when you're anxious is you run to the furthest corner and you shiver. And I'm like, no, what we need to do is get up, walk to the door, open the door, yank it open, grab fear yeah. and anxiety mm-hmm. by the it, chest, it. pull it in and yeah. throw it up against the wall and say, what if you happen? Mm-hmm. My God is greater than you. Mm-hmm. So what if you do happen? What will I do? Will God stop loving me? Will I lose my family? Well, I might, but I'll still have the family of God. I'm adopted into the kingdom. So you got nothing on me. Mm. We need to be able to take it and press it against the wall and and say what we need to say to it. And God gives us that right to do that. Well, it's mm. ama- I mean, it's amazing being in the family of faith that, you know, like, to actually know people who, like, the nightmares have happened to them. Like, yes. to know people who've lost children or mm-hmm. have have experienced horrific the horrific nightmares that we fear yes. yet who have have yeah. endured through it and who mm-hmm. have found the lord to be their helper in the mm-hmm. midst of that i mean that's one of the beautiful things about being in the family of god too is that we can know brothers and sisters who have actually done mm-hmm. who've actually gone through the things mm-hmm. that we right. fear and yet have faced it and the lord has been faithful to them mm-hmm. and maybe that can help us as that's well right. to mm-hmm. face our fears head on right well, I really, I, I'm all about practical helps here, you know, because yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, you know. Yeah, why don't you give us some practical helps? Yeah, because we we've, got, we've got a lot of anxiety that, you know, we're, we're thinking of things that may not happen. So we have to also use possibility versus probability. Mm. We, right now at this church, we're right over, I don't know if you know, but the, the flat rock intersection for airplanes that make a turn to come into no, um, I did not know Sandston, that. yes. We are right at the Flat Rock inter- no, intersection. Are you saying a plane could crash into this building at this <laughs> It <moment>? is possible. <laughs> it's oh, no. <laughs> in my office, it's possible. I'm right across the street, right? So it is possible. Is it probable? It's the safest mode of travel. Is it po- Is it really probable? You say that after the Boeing 737. Yeah. <laughs> pretty sure there's no yeah, Boeings flying over our yeah. yeah, I think they're pretty much gone. But but the thing is, is that it is the safest mode of travel. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when you really think about it, it's like there are a lot of things in this world that are possible. But are they really probable? And we spend so much of our energy and so much of our time, so much of our thought life thinking mm-hmm. about possibilities. And I think that that is where we make a mental error is why don't we look at the things, because possibilities live in the future. Mm -hmm. Depression lives in the past. Anxiety lives in the future. 
And so we can't keep looking into the future. We don't even know what Jesus says. We can't change a hair on our head, right? So we don't even know what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes. But I do know this, as I've got right now, and who do I want to own it? We are a slave to whatever masters us. So let God's will, God's purposes, God's presence, the trust that we have in him, let that rule in our present. And that is a work that's well done. So that's something that I really want to challenge everyone with. It's like, you know, take that thought captive for right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus was saying, don't worry about Just focus on the uh, the trouble of today. That's right. right Tomorrow's now. got enough going on yeah. mm-hmm. on itself. Yeah. So stay stay in the present. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if, you know, we do have to plan. We do have mm-hmm. to do some things. But then come back to the present. This is all God willing, mm-hmm. right? And so then we live in the present and be right in the mm-hmm. present. There's one other uh, part of anxiety that we don't really talk much about, and that's intrusive thoughts. And intrusive thoughts, we define those as, uh, let me give an example, it's always best to, to do that. Um, all of a sudden I'm just driving to work and all of a sudden I have this intrusive thought, pew, just goes right through my head. And I'm like, what? I wasn't even thinking that. Where did that come from? Like, for example, I was driving to work the other day and I thought, a sinkhole. I left my mom in reading in the den. And I thought, a sinkhole opens up right under the side of my house, and my house slides in. And I've got two days. Uh, this is all happening in 30 seconds. Two days. My mom <laughs> is dead she, or, or alive. I don't know. And is she, she's cold. Is she hurting? Is she okay? We can't contact her. You know, and I, and I never know. That, hap- that intrusive thought came into mm-hmm. my, I was just up there at the, yep. you know, Patterson and uh, forest, and that thought just blew in my mind, and it Had was. Have you a, heard a story about a sinkhole or something? No, Why did that? No, it just came into. My, I wasn't yeah. thinking about it. It just came into my mind, mm-hmm. and it was a violent death for my mother. I'm like, really, really. <laughs> so we have those. We call them intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. We have those all the time. Most of us with a normal brain that doesn't have any chemistry that's off, or that we've done the work, we know to dismiss those thoughts and to just not let them take any mm-hmm. root. And that's what we should do with them. But sometimes we're not able. It gets on the thought wheel, Mm -hmm. and we start letting it run. Or we are in it, and we're maybe not really conscious we're thinking of it. And then all of a sudden, you get the chill and the fear, and like, that could happen. And now all of a sudden, we've let it blossom into something real. Now, for intrusive thoughts, I really wanted to just talk, if it's okay, to talk just about the spiritual battle mm-hmm. that we're under, yeah. because I think intrusive yeah. thoughts are the best demonstration of where Satan loves to attack us. Because if we're already weak, maybe in the ways that we are not dealing with anxiety, or we're not, we're fearful, fear-based, mm-hmm. um, and or maybe we've been weakened from just all the assaults that we've had over time, we're going to be easy pickings for intrusive thoughts that might I'm not saying all intrusive thoughts some of them are chemical based mm-hmm. but a lot of them are coming from a satanic uh, attack mm-hmm. and we need to be alert to the fact that we are not without the divine weapons that have been given to us that we have the right to actually rebuke the thought mm-hmm. and just say nope you do not have a right to be in my mind and I don't give you any legal uh, right to even stay in my mind that's passing through so we get to rebuke the thought to basically say it's not mine. Mm. Um, then I ask for permission from God. It's like, with your permission, may I use your authority and your power? Because the, the dark forces of this world only respect authority and power. And I, and I ask God, do you give me the right, the authority, the power from you to be able to bind this so that it doesn't come back to attack? And I've never had a no 
Hmm. I always, I it's always like you're performing an exorcism on yourself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say exorcism because I'm not working with that. Yeah. I'm just saying I don't want that thought. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing just on the lower level of thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, I will ask him for permission, and if he says he gives, I've never had a no, at least not yet. Then I will actually say, in the name of Jesus, with your authority, Christ, with your power. And you know the name of whatever spirit just threw that thing in my head, mm. but I, it is a spirit of fear. Mm-hmm. It, um, I feel it as um, a spirit of violent death, um, an attack on my mother, attack on me. And I am just, I've already rejected it. Now I'm asking you, with your authority, Christ, that you would bind this. And in your power, you bind it so it can't come back into me. It won't go to my family. It won't go to my church. It won't go to anybody I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put it right back to the footstool of Christ for judgment. And I have that authority. The last step is make sure that you ask the Holy Spirit to come in and fill those places to begin that healing from that thought because it leaves a shadow. I think Jesus' parable of the, of the house that yes. is swept clean for the demons to come back in. And yeah. then they come yeah. back in with seven So are you more. just like walking through the grocery store and you just like shout out, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I mean, do you do this out loud? Do you do this? I mean, I guess um, it depends on your... Well, when I was yeah. down at the fire station yeah. at the, at the yeah. intersection, I was screaming. I was mm. angry. I was like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. I'm a daughter of the king. You don't get to do that. So I kind of called Love him that out. authority. Mm. I called, yeah. Well, yeah. we have we that have in it. Christ. Mm. He's given us his authority to do that. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. So when some of those intrusive thoughts come in, mm-hmm. you are within your rights mm-hmm. to challenge that from a spiritual mm-hmm. standpoint. But then you got to do the cognitive work. Then you've got, because it leaves a shadow, like I said. So then you've got, it can activate other thoughts and those kinds of things. Yep. So you need to get those right scriptures back into your thinking mm-hmm. uh, and, and lay right into them. Don't yeah. let any of the other negative thoughts get yeah. activated. It is but, interesting how one will domino yes. all of these other thoughts if you can't close that door. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I think so. I, it's really be- beautiful what you're saying. And I think one theme in all of this is there's so much in psychology about about self-talk and we do know how how powerful that can be um i love paul tripp's phrase you know no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you talk to yourself <laughs> that's true. Um, but i think what you're saying is that it's not just self-talk that helps us it's 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 gospel powered self-talk it's it's we have the power through the word of god and knowing the gospel to really talk to ourselves in a way that infuses our lives and that's our right. hearts and our souls with truth that's right um, so and that's what it's about it's yeah. trusting being a tr- we, we are a- anxiety is a is a difficult thing but it's also an opportunity mm-hmm. and it's an opportunity for us to learn how to trust god mm-hmm. well in faith and faith it's it's important to know too that faith is not some uh, faith is not like a virtue that just suddenly um we inherited from our parents and that just yeah. sort of automatically grows it's actually it's almost more like a muscle that mm-hmm. You have yes. to exercise that you can actually strengthen your own faith yes. um, and put it to work in your life by over and over again rejecting the lies, believing the truth, rejecting the lies, believing the truth. That's right. It's a muscle we can exercise. Absolutely. So. That's good. Um, one little prayer that I love that is just a line in a much longer prayer in Every Moment Holy, which is a book of prayer liturgies. It just says, uh, whatever tomorrow brings will not be a surprise to you, God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think I kept that as a mantra for months, especially with my mom dealing with some sickness, mm-hmm. just whatever diagnosis, whatever That's news right. from the doctor, whatever else is going to crop up, mm-hmm. you know what? 
it's not going to be a surprise to God. That's right. And Mm. he's not going to change based on whatever that news is. I have a visual reminder before me in my car that I carry around for encouragement because I'm fear-based. And it's a little dove. You know those little doves that'll stick on flowers and the stick Mm -hmm. of something in your Mm -hmm. flowers? It's Mm -hmm. just a little white dove. Mm -hmm. But I put it on the little odometer thing. And when I look at it, I think of Joshua, the first chapter of Joshua, where he says, be strong and courageous. I will not, never, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And that, I mean, get in the car, out of the car, in the car, out of the car. And that is what, be strong and of good courage. Yeah. I will never leave you. I will never yeah. forsake you. Even when you're anxious. <laughs> even then. <laughs> even then. <laughs> You know, it's a, that's that's a great point that one of the ways that we can practically do this is by, um, if we're trying to remind ourselves of what's true and train our minds and take every thought captive, sometimes it can be really helpful to even have um, physical reminders mm-hmm. of the kinds of thoughts that we're called to think throughout our yep. lives, especially for those of us like myself who have a hard time controlling our thoughts sometimes. That's right. Having like almost like small icons, mm-hmm. like that's kind of mm-hmm. what that is to you. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's pointing to a deeper reality and that's, that's what... Right ancient icons were for, Mm -hmm. but we can fill our lives with whether it's a scripture verse, like that one hanging on your wall right there, Mm -hmm. Becca, or a little, Mm -hmm. a little thing in your car, but something that is constantly pointing you back to what's the most true. Mm -hmm. Closer we are to him, the less anxiety we'll have. Gosh, that's true. Well, Margie, thank you so much. I have learned, I'm going to be honest, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I... I'm just really grateful for this conversation, um, and I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of folks. Thank you, Corey. Thank you for um, your sermon on Sunday and for making time to do this again. This is really wonderful. Yeah. Thanks, Margie, for making the time. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. All righty. Thanks for listening, everybody.